Brother Richard Roberts, Clifford Roberts, his wife Sharon, Timothy and um, Beth, oh, sorry, Christopher, I keep getting mixed up with your uncle, I guess. Christopher and Beth Ann, is it Bell? Bell? And uh, we're thankful that they could be here. Um, before we do look into the Word of God for comfort and for strength, let's all bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before thy throne of grace this afternoon. We thank thee for thy many blessings that you've blessed us with. We thank thee, Father, for the blessing of the life that we have all experienced and been with our dear departed brother Richard. And even in times like this, we can rejoice and be blessed, though we are saddened because we, we will not see him. On this earth. Bless your word, bless our being together. May your glory, praise abound to thee. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was thinking of the scripture for meditation for this memorial service, I thought, what would perhaps most be fitting? for our dear brother Richard and everybody knowing that he was a man of literature, of poetry, I thought of perhaps the most famous, renowned book of literature in the world is being termed and coined by some as the most poetic and grandest book that was ever written and it was alluded to not just alluded to, spoken of this morning in the book of Job I'd like to turn with the Lord's help to Job chapter 19 the book of Job chapter 19 and I'd like to start reading From verse 23 to the end. Job chapter 19, from verse 23 to the end. And when I thought about the hymn independently of this, uh, I realized how much the hymn is written based on this scripture that he has hope in a redeemer, that he can have joy. Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. That they were graven with an iron pen and lead and led in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself and mine eyes shall behold and not another. Though my reins be consumed within me, ye should say, why persecute we him, seeing the root of the matter is found in me? Be afraid of the sword, for wrath bringeth the punishments of the sword, that ye may know there is judgment. 
No matter which page of the Bible you turn, you'll find the gospel of Christ preached, whether it's the Old Testament or the New. And what is more in line with the mission and the work of Christ than that of Redeemer and that he rose again on the third day. And that the prophetic word was given here that one day his Redeemer will come again and stand on the earth. His second coming was foreshadowed here as well. When I think of Brother Richard, I think of him as a man of the pen. There's a saying that says that the pen is mightier than the sword. And Richard had many times a desire to pen whatever God inspired him with. And he eventually did have his words written in a book. I don't know if I have it even, but he brought once to church a, a book of poetry and he showed that his poem was published in this book. And you're very well aware of that as a family, I'm sure. And his name was written in a book. But the book that we are speaking about, and I believe that the book that perhaps Job was prophetically speaking about, was the book of life. That his name was written in the book of life. But there's more to that. There's more to that his name was written in the book of life. That is the ultimate consummation of his life. But his, his works were written in our hearts and in our spirits. He's left behind a legacy. And I, I went through a whole lot of things that I could think about what Brother Richard left behind for us. It was about, I can't remember the exact year, I, I would imagine it was 1975 and 1976. And perhaps my sister and Sister Vicky can tell me when that was. But that's when I first met Brother Richard when he came and he was looking for spiritual fulfillment and spiritual satisfaction. And when he joined us, he, he was a man that was very, he wanted to find out a lot. He liked to talk about the word of God. He very quickly joined our, what we called our youth group, CFG, Christian Fellowship Group, and attended those um, meetings that were held on a Thursday back then. And eventually, after being baptized in our church, he he eventually became a teacher. He taught Bible class at times. Um, but he, one thing that he confessed to me was that what really drew him initially was first he loved the refreshments. After, after CFG would have refreshments, cake and coffee and drink, and that, he said he had to admit that that was one of the things that really drew him. But it was more than that, because we know that Brother Richard was a very deep thinker. And he loved to talk about the Bible. He loved to pose very difficult questions to see, can we ask, uh, answer them? Uh, I remember one time when he, he approached me and he says, Doug, 
What motivates God? What motivates God? You know, what motivates us? What motivates God? And I couldn't immediately think about what could it be. The only thing that I could think of was his love. His love. His love motivates him. His love motivated him to send his son to die for our sins. His love motivated him to to take our sin upon him, to take the shame and the scourging and the spitting and the mocking. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It wasn't long where we discovered Richard's passion for poetry. And we'd often have evening family nights on Saturday. And every now and then, Brother Richard would come up with a poem. And he was um, very passionate with that, so much so that he would take a trip, as some of you remember, he went to England to the Lake Districts. I guess that's where a lot of this thing started. There's a lot of poetry there. And he visited Westminster Abbey, Poets' Corner. He took a lot of inspiration. I believe he wrote a poem about the Lake Districts. And he loved fellowship. He loved sitting around lunchtime and just discussing and and point-counterpoint. And and, uh, he loved... He loved, I want to get to the, right, to the core of the issue here. He loved children. You will see in the, in the pictures, he's always with the children, helping them out, talking to them, encouraging them. There was a time when my daughter Amy went to Brazil with the orphanage and she worked in a, second, in, in, a, in a children's clothing store that he went to the store and he bought hundreds of dollars worth of new clothes to send. He had a big passion and compassion for the underdog, for the underprivileged. He was very highly involved with um, the Variety Village, was it? Freedom Village, sorry. Freedom Village. And he often said, Doug, you need to go there. You need to, you know, you need to, to support this. Um, and we all know that he met a young lady called Sipa and brought her to this church because she had nowhere to go. And I understand that she was heavy on his heart. And Brother Paul felt that maybe that led to the stress that added to his stress, that caused what seems to have been a heart attack. He's left us a lot. He's left us an example on having care and compassion for the orphan, for the underprivileged. Richard, even though he didn't have a great gift in singing but he was in our choir. And we'd travel to different cities to sing. And he'd be the narrator. 
He was our linguist, our English expert, and he was our poet, and he had the narrations in these choirs. And I remember one particular time in, in Hamilton, we were singing, Holy God, we loud thy name. We have it in our hymn books. And uh, he was supposed to do a narration, and somehow he had lost his line. And we went through about a whole verse of just piano solo, waiting for him to come in. But that was beautiful. It, it showed us that God is not interested in perfection, in polished singers and musicians. He's interested in our hearts. And that's what Richard had. He had a heart for God. I would converse with Richard about uh, certain lines in the verses in poetry that I remember heard here or there at school. And one poem that, that stuck out in my mind was, which what I thought was then, was called a eulogy in the country church, in the country church graveyard. And I just wanted to... to um, if I can find it, read some of the lyrics or, or verses in that in that poem, and especially the epitaph. It starts off as the curfew tolls the knell of parting day. The lowering herd winds slowly o'er the lee. The ploughman homeward plods his weary way, and leaves the world to darkness and to me. It's like a weary man going home from his work. And he's surrounded by night. But there is no night with God. The, the epitaph on this gravestone, I believe, says this. He rests his head upon the lap of earth, a youth to fortune and to fame unknown. Fair science frowned not on his humble birth, and melancholy marked him for her own. Large was his bounty and his soul sincere. Heaven did a recompense as largely sent. He gave to misery all he had, a tear. He gained from heaven, t'was all he wished, a friend. No father seek his merits to disclose or draw his frailties from their dread abode. There was alike in trembling hope repose the bosom of his father and his God. When I called Bethan, to find out more information, to make a connection, because the connection had been lost. We had moved, and, and secondly, they never had the information when Brother Richard passed away. And, and I share the, the blame in that. I take the blame in that. You know, once when I was uh, interviewed at work for a, a shift supervisor position, they asked me, Doug, if something goes wrong in the station, who's at fault? Who's responsible? And I thought, being a 
green engineer back then. I said, well, if I give him all the instructions and he still gets hurt when I leave, it's not my fault. He says, no, you're responsible. You're responsible. So to the family, I take the blame that I didn't think of that ahead of time in giving him an address, a contact, so if something like this would happen. But I commend Beth Ann. I'll tell you something. They, with, they, they deferred the funeral till Thursday, at least, hoping to contact us. She went through about 20 churches to find it possible because she would like him to have a funeral in the church that he grew in. And that humbles me. She told me that she was so happy that we would contact her. We could contact her. And she was hoping that we would have a memorial service. And God made it happen. And I'm so thankful for that. You know, it's really not until someone leaves us that we wished we had spent more time with them. There's regret. Oh, that we had only spent more time. That we'd only talked more. That we only visited more. And then we look for every little piece of legacy that he left behind. We search for his poems. We search for his photographs. We look for experiences. Something that we can hang on to because he will no longer be with us. We would wish to hear his voice again. But as mentioned earlier, Brother Richard left us a legacy. The poems that he wrote look into his heart, look into how he was inspired by God, looked how he believed, looked how he thought, saw how he, what his character was like. Uh, Brother Richard found in his poetry his way of worshipping God. much like David did in his Psalms. In my uh, preparation for this memorial service, considering the greatest, perhaps, poetical book that was ever written in Job, we have a hope. We have this hope that one day our Redeemer will stand again upon this earth. And the the passing of our dear brother was just a gateway to a bright and glorious day. And he wouldn't want to be back. He would not want to be back. And the longer I live, the more I look forward to that great and glorious day. when we can meet our saviour face to face and know that there'll be no more crying, no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering, no more loneliness, and God will meet our every need. I um, have asked for those that would like to share, and they've given me their names, uh, 
I would like to ask perhaps uh, individuals to come up as I call them just to share some experiences and thoughts. Uh, the family has asked me not to ask them. I've shared what I could, but um, we certainly would like to call up Brother Paul Scala, who with his family spent probably the most time with him taking him to and from church, if you would like to share some thoughts. Brother Richard and uh, myself, we come a long, long, long way, about 30 years. Uh, came to church back in 1983. Uh, was he having the Bible study that night, uh, Edmund? Thursday night. It was the first time he was in church. Uh, Richard Roberts had the Bible study. Had nothing to do with how should I say, preaching of the gospel or asking ye must be born again or anything as such. But it was on stewardship, managing your money, that kind of thing. Nothing to do with it. I actually asked uh, Richard at the time a challenging uh, question, but it had nothing, it was irrelevant. That was the first time I had encountership with Richard. From then on, we were very, very good, special friends. Richard, there was only one time where I knew Richard was he was down and out, depressed, if you want to say. It was only once. And that was the one time that when a sister of our church had gotten married, he was a little bit down and out because he had a, a liking for her very, very much. A couple of years later, it wore off. And then uh, as I was uh, baptized, I remember that I was going through a lot of hard times, trials. I often talked to Brother Richard quite often, and he was always there. Brother Richard was very, very encouraging. He lifted me up. He gave me the proper and the right counsel. Not to say that others could, but but I could say that Brother Richard was a very true and faithful friend. And Brother Doug, you are absolutely right. He had two passions. One was on poetry, and the other one was for young people. Because I have three children myself. And he had a passion for them. He helped them out, encouraged them quite a bit and quite often. And then there was Sipa, as we all know. Richard had a passion, desire for the youth. We shared uncountless conversations over the telephone. I remember that... Uh, his mother, when she was very sick and Richard couldn't attend the church for almost 10 years, he would leave during the preaching in the morning service, 15, 20 minutes you know, before the service was over, he had to leave to help out his mother. I remember that very much. 
Richard had a very caring, loving, patient, understanding heart towards people. I myself, my wife, and I, we will miss a very good friend. He went sudden. Thank you. Um, did you want to say something, Sister Dory? You okay? You okay. Well, next we have uh, Sister Margaret. Did you want to say something? Share. Do you want the handheld? I guess I've known Richard ever since he came to church. I was here in 1974, um, newly married, and so um, a couple of years later, Richard came into the life of the church. And um, he fit right into the youth. He would do whatever we did. We didn't have any, very many, but we'd take van trips together. We'd do different things, and we always enjoyed his hearty laugh, that he always uh, enjoyed what we were doing and got together. Um, one of the stories that I'd like to share, not so much about the earlier part of his life, but later on uh, in years, um, before we had the email system where we'd let people know um, about uh, things that were going on, we had a phone we had a phone tree, phone calling tree, and so often I would get to call uh, Richard to let him know if something was canceled or if someone had passed away or whatever. And so um, often we'd have phone conversations, and I always tried to make sure that whenever I called him, that I had some time when I could talk because he loved to just converse on the phone. And he could get philosophical, he could get theological, and we really would get into some, some discussions on the phone. And I hated to have to cut him off and say, I've got to do this or I've got to do that. So over the years, we got to converse quite a bit like that. And often, if he wasn't in church, I would take it upon myself to call him and just see, was he sick or what was going on or what happened? And this one time in particular, forgive me, it's just a humorous little thing that's very common to all of us, but I'd just like to share that side of him as well. And um, so I called him and I said, Richard, you aren't in church today. Are you okay? He didn't say too much. Usually he'd say if he wasn't feeling well. He kind of evaded the question and we went on talking. And so he didn't really say what the reason was, but then... I let it go, and so then he didn't show up the next Sunday. So I thought, hmm, he must really not be feeling well, so I called him again. And uh, finally, at the end of the conversation, very sheepishly, and he had been away maybe two or three weeks by that point when I called him again, and um, very sheepishly he said, well, I'm not been at church because I'm growing a beard. Don't you know if you remember his time? And I, and, and I said, Richard, you missed three or four weeks of church to grow a beard? <laughs> he said, I don't want anybody to see me until I'm ready. <laughs> so that next Sunday he comes and he's sporting this new little silver hat. And I wished I would have taken a picture of him with it with his beard. And he was just, I just wanted to share that little bit because there's a little bit of vanity in all of us. And it, and it was just so cute to see that part of him after, at the age he was, that he really wanted to try that out. So he had his beard for a couple of years, and then it disappeared one day. We didn't see it anymore. 
But over the years, uh, while my nephew was here, Jim, he was studying um, religion at the university, him and um, Brother Richard really became sparring buddies <laughs> when it came to theological and philosophical things. And actually, when my nephew went over to England to study in, in university over there, that's when Richard took his trip over there. And he really, uh, something clicked with him in his poetry in England because he came back and I think he had written at that time there, The Hills of Grasmere. That was his poem from over there. And it had such a special meaning to him. And um, we cont- I continued to call him occasionally, not as much in the last few years maybe as I should have, but, um, and we would go and visit him once in a while. And the last visit uh, that we had with him, uh, he talked for a good few hours, and he shared very personally, that, like he had never shared before. And while we were sitting there um, with him, he said, you know, I saved a girl's life once. And we heard how he was always compassionate with the young people and always trying to help them out. And this was his life, just really looking out for people who had a need and trying to fill it in some way. And he related this story to us about how when he was in college that he actually did save this girl's life. And um, he was going there, and she was being really bullied by a large number of people in in that learning facility. And he said that he was convicted by God to go up to her and tell her that he was going to protect her. He was going to take care of her. And he did. And he said, I don't have any interest in you, but God told me I need to protect you. And he did. And he said his life was even threatened at one point because he was protecting her. That's the extent to which he went. And so he didn't know her at all. He just felt compelled to go and help her out. And eventually, he said he was, she was, he learned after a while that she was from a very prominent family. And he got invited to the family's home and they thanked him personally for all that he had done for her for that hard time that she had in school. And that was to me typical Richard. He would just go out of his way and we've heard a little bit about SIPA. And he really, I'm, he shared that last visit we had with him that he was so concerned about her he didn't really know what to do. He knew that it was going to be a costly decision for him if he decided to help her, but in the end he did, and that just typifies what Richard was all about. We're really going to miss him. Thank you. Actually, there is a picture of Brother Richard with his hat. Bethan sent us. It's up, going to be up on the wall so you can see him, but remember that uh, of him. Um, we're going to ask, perhaps, we're going to ask uh, Nancy, where are you? Nancy's going to read a poem, and then Brother Eric. Um, Brother Richard um, was at the All-Interior Sing in 1989, and that's when I met him, and he read this poem. Mm. He said, he called it, I saw God's greening garden. I saw the throne of Jesus appearing in my dream. I saw beneath the mercy seat there flowed a living stream. I saw God's greening garden thriving with joy, it seems. For all things in that garden had found the living stream. For there within that closure, the ground rest crystal clear, and all Christ's perfect knowledge no mist nor clouds appear. I saw no shade of darkness, 
her shadow postured form. but only felt God's river without the raindrops, nor the storm. Sorry. For the hand that brings a river is folded on the mercy seat, and prayer and intercession, which makes his garden all complete, When I met Brother Richard, I was very discouraged. Um, I had written a poem, and I had submitted it uh, to this competition, and I had lost badly, and I was frustrated because I was thinking about, I wasn't yet converted, and I was thinking about becoming a Christian, and I didn't know what to do with what I thought was this talent, and I was going back and forth, and after I met Brother Richard, and I heard him read read this poem, and I felt the passion that he had, and the love that he had for the Lord. And so I talked to him about it afterwards, and he really encouraged me. He encouraged me to seek the Lord, and he encouraged me to continue to write. And I'm thankful for that. Um, Six months afterwards, I was announced for baptism. Thank you. I'd like to read... uh a poem of Brother Richard's called When Christ Reigneth in Jerusalem. While earthly troubles spread and grow and the hopes of this world wane low, the voice of the Lord is a presence to those in the midst of the saints he knows. It brings comfort and joy wherever saints meet to know Jesus in person to greet as their king far more precious than onyx and gem on the throne in Jerusalem. For that day shall arrive when Jesus shall reign to renew his creation from pain, and the curse shall dry up, and the desert shall bloom from the waters that fill heaven's loom. As wastelands forgotten and valley-like basins become lilies of God's own creation, all nature rejoices from root to the stem to the Christ in Jerusalem. And the glory of Christ to the nations bid forth for the kings that bring honor and worth that they too may walk in this city of light for their years of wise rule in his sight. And his own proclamation shall go far and wide for his saints at his feet to abide. So the tide of faith carries each of them to the throne in Jerusalem. And the people shall sing their hosannas of praise from the hearts that are pure from its ways. And the crown that is known as the royal diadem is Christ in the midst of them. Thank you. One thing that, um, in speaking with Bethan the other day, one thing that Bethan said that the reason she really wanted to to contact our church because Richard always spoke so well of our church to her. I thought, what a witness that was to that he would do that with his family. And we always think we're inadequate, but he would only say good things about our church. 
And that touched me as well. Um, I'm going to read one more poem. He has many, many more. Uh, but I re- want to read one more poem which I thought was very touching to me. And then we're going to conclude with a song. Um, the one that came across, and I thank Brother Willie for being the archivist as he collected these poems. Um, it's called Early Will I Seek Thee. Early will I seek thee, O Lord, that I may find the path that is before me eternally assigned. By one who travelled on it, the world could not abate his call to all each to take those steps which lead upon it. And as you take each step upon the path which bringeth life, all other paths are left behind with promises that shone of opportunities declined to change this world of strife. But here upon God's path you find your footprints deep and still leading up to Calvary's hill eternally designed. I'd like to sing before I read the eulogy that was given to me. Let's sing... 183. In 183, verses 1, 7, and 9. Verses 1, 7, and 9 of hymn 183. seated you can you're welcome to stay or we can all stand for loving father in heaven we come before thee at the close of this special service to remember our dear brother Richard oh lord we will miss his laughter we will miss his good sense of humor we will miss his desire and zeal to discuss your word, his warmth, his compassion, his care. Help us, Lord, never forget the example he has been to us to care for the orphans, to care for the widows, his own mother, to love and to show the love of God, not only through words, 
but especially through his action and deed. Lord Jesus, you said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And we thank thee, Father, that Brother Richard did so. He was taken from us suddenly, but yet he would not want to return. And Lord, as beautiful and as verdant the pastures of the, the lake districts in Grasmere were, he has entered a paradise that far exceeds his experience in England. And we thank thee for the short span of life that you've given to him to share with us. And we ask for your forgiveness where we haven't reciprocated. Father, we pray that the legacy that is left us will continue to be in our hearts and in our actions. We thank thee for the family that has come, Clifford and Sharon, Timothy and Bethan, and their little daughter. We pray, Lord, that they have felt the love of God here and that likewise we have felt theirs. And Father, we pray that you would continue to be with them and work in their hearts and in ours, that we would glorify and magnify your name with the days that you have given to us. As the poet says, ask not for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. Yea, Lord, one day we will all pass through that narrow portal and we pray that we will have Christ with us in our hearts when we do. And for all this, for all your love, for all your grace you bestowed upon us, we give you thanks and praise. We pray especially comfort for the family, for the siblings, for the nieces and nephews. And we pray for your blessing upon each and every one of us this day. We give you thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I'm just going to read the, the eulogy. Richard Roberts was born on the 6th of August 1938 and he went to be with his maker on the 2nd of February 2014 at the age of 75. He was predeceased by his parents Reg and Constance. His loving brother, he is the loving brother of Clifford and Sharon. Ross and Doina and of Barbara Bell. He's the much loved uncle of was the much loved uncle of Timothy and Beth Ann, and he was interned at Glendale Memorial Gardens, which is just up the road on Albion. And God willing would like to go and visit his grave when they have the tombstone up and everything. Forgive me, family, if I've made any mistakes in the statistics or the accounts or experiences. And uh, we're sort of certainly thankful to have you with us, and we invite you to come back any time you, you so choose to do so. We'd like to have um, a time of uh, coffee and cake so you can meet the family. 
Uh, and there's a lot of slides, some very cute slides of Richard when he was a little boy. And uh, the family growing up uh, really warms my heart to see that. So with that, we'd like to conclude the service and commend you into the grace of God.